Welcome back, guys. It's uh, Amaret, and welcome to RPG Unlimited, a podcast about tabletop gaming. Uh, we'll be interviewing players, game masters, artists, game designers, uh, content creators for their unique views and experiences within the tabletop role-playing space. Today, we are talking with Renee Rhodes, who is creator and DM of Fate and the Fable Minds, an actual play podcast, a social media manager for Monocle Society, the creators of Weave, and streamer on Nerd Immersion and Scraticus Academy. She's a writer and content creator, and you can learn more about her projects at radian.com, fatefmcast.com, and monoclesociety.com. I'm going to go ahead and hit that ridiculous wall text thing, which is going to have links not only to the projects and stuff that she has going on, but as well as to captioning, where you can support both myself and her, and more. So, with all that taken care of... <laughs> Hello, Renee. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing very well. I'm excited to be hopping in and recording a podcast. Uh, one of my first weekends in Seattle, so... Awesome. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, uh, I am Renee Rhodes. I really like the colors blue and purple and uh, probably like mirrors way too much. Mysteries are one of my favorite genres, even though I have yet to write them into more of my own stories and can't wait to do that. And I think that's about it. I mean, there's probably a lot of other stuff, but those are the three things that I can think of at the top of my head. Understandable. Blue and purple, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how did you get in tabletop role-playing games? That is a very good question, uh, especially since at first I didn't. Uh, I tell this story reasonably frequently because I feel like it's very indicative of a lot of experiences that just aren't uh, as well known. Uh, I walked away from my first game thinking, I'm never going to play again. It's just not for me. And that's okay. Different people like different things. And I just clearly don't like role-playing games. I was very wrong. Uh, there were a lot of situations and aspects of the situation, I suppose, that affected my enjoyment of the game. I was hungry. I didn't realize we were going to be sitting so long. I didn't realize I personally like to have a sketchbook when I play. Uh, I didn't realize all of these things. and. By the time I did, it was about three years later when a couple of friends had convinced me to come back to try a second game. Uh, I was very reluctant. I was very nervous. And it went fine. It went actually better than fine. I am a writer. I am a storyteller. I am an actress and I was able to use all of those things and I was suddenly surprised. I was, I would say pleasantly surprised, but I also was then contending with the impression I had of what gaming was and challenging that. 
So I went back for another game and another, and then ended up going into a game store and joining a campaign kind of by accident. And things took off from there. And I'm glad because, wow, my life has changed so much for the better because of role-playing games. And that would never have happened if I had walked away for good. Understandable, um, which is a very different story from what you hear a lot of people say. It's like, hey, me and a group of friends in high school decided we wanted to play and we started playing. You know, it's very rare to hear of someone who went in and didn't have a good first experience and came back. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad to be back. Hello. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, Hi. Welcome <laughs> back. Thanks. When you get five-year-olds sharing a room, sometimes it doesn't go great. Ah, uh, yes. Understandable. So. Okay. We had just talked about your experience with first getting in and it being so wildly different from what we usually see happen with the whole, you're either in it or you're not, basically, you know? Yeah. Um, how would you say that really affected your perception of the game coming in as someone who initially thought they wouldn't return? Uh, I think I fell into the mindset of stereotypes. My perception of the game was what I had seen on the media, and especially since I didn't enjoy it my first time, I think it solidified some of those stereotypes. And now being on the inside of gaming, uh, playing so many RPGs a week and loving every second of it. I hope to challenge others' perspectives and those preconceived notions, those stereotypes that people cling on to because I know what it was like to believe them and I know what it took to overcome them. Okay. What would you say for you is what really, really changed it? Oh, goodness, there's got to be a moment. And I think that our first campaign was inspired by Guardians of the Galaxy. It was kind of accidental. One person mentioned that they wanted to play a raccoon, and suddenly everyone in the group had attributed a character uh, to their character that they were building, and we had a story. And so because Gamora inspired my character and Nebula inspired my friend's character, uh, they were adopted sisters. And there was a moment when they encountered their father in the story for the first time. She and I were both crying in the middle of the game store. And when the party didn't really understand, she stood up and just yelled, you don't understand this is our father. And like everyone in the game store turned to look at us and we were just standing there hugging and crying over the fiction we were creating uh, in real time. And it just felt so immersive. It felt so real and valuable. And I think that's when it kind of clicked for me. 
that I loved doing it and that anyone can do it. Maybe you need different games or different mechanics to make something work for you. Maybe it's a matter of preference, uh, whether you like combat or role-playing or mystery and intrigue or just a shopping trip. But it's, there can be something for everyone here. I agree with that. Um, one of the things that I've used as an allegory when, especially when talking with people who identify as female or who played with Barbies growing up, it's like, you remember those times playing with your friends or your siblings with Barbies? This is like playing with Barbies, but you've got some kind of rules to prevent one of them from becoming Cinderella and the rest being like the evil stepsisters. Because uh, <laughs> th th that's a trope. That's a, that's a playing with Barbies trope. Yeah. <laughs> so... And I, I'll take it one step further and say we uh, used to quite literally LARP in our backyard. We just didn't know that that's what it was at the time. But when we were imagining being on the high seas pirate ship or when we were all princes and princes of neighboring kingdoms, you know, that was role playing. We just didn't realize it at the time, and it wasn't that far of a leap of the imagination to get into a game that facilitated that. And I think, I think one of the big things there is growing up, we're told it's called playing make-believe. Hmm. And then we grow up and we're told it's role-playing. And so we separate a thing from itself, essentially. It's like, it is this thing. It is this thing. These things are not at all alike, except they are exactly alike. <laughs> and I'll be quite content playing make-believe for the rest of my life, thank you. It's, it's so much better than real life 90% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, the ability to like step out and do something that you couldn't do otherwise, for, no matter what the situation is. Maybe it's just whether you're being your, whether it's something you can't do due to ableism or just financially, oh, hey, I can't go out and explore these things, but I can in this, in this thing. You know, there's so many things it's useful for. Yeah. Um, you're one of the social media managers for Monocle Society, which are the creators of Weeb and other games. Could you tell us a little bit more about Monocle Society? Sure, I can. Uh, and I am actually the social media and marketing specialist for Monocle Society, uh, which is very new to the tune of I started two weeks ago and I moved to Seattle for this, this position. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled about the position in general, and I'm thrilled about all of the amazing things we have on the horizon. I'm going to talk about what I can because some of my job is covered by NDA. Uh, but at the same time, we have a lot to look forward to, and I would hate to not talk a little bit about it. So uh, I have the, a copy of Weave right here, which I set something on top of. Terrible idea. Uh, this is Weave, and it is a game 
that is a, a hybrid game. It coordinates with an app on your mobile device or your desktop, and you have cards that you can scan in, and there are aspects connected to each card within the app related to theme, uh, locations, uh, plot, and to characters. So the storyteller can scan cards in to inform the narrative that they are going to weave for their players, and the players scan cards in to help structure their character. And then there are also dice, which are rolled to overcome challenges similar to many other RPGs. And I discovered this game at PAX Unplugged in 2018. I loved it pretty much right off the bat because it was very easy to pick up, which is some, one of the aspects of what drove me away from D&D the first time I played. I found the rules overwhelming, and I found it incredibly overwhelming to be told you can do anything you want to. Because I'm not always that great at decision making. So uh, this was something that was easier to access. And as I started playing it, I realized that it really does focus on storytelling and role playing. And yes, it has rules and mechanics, but rules and mechanics that are very friendly to the story. And that's something that's always been important to me. And I feel important to a lot of the people that I regularly game with. So I started playing it and I ended up streaming a long form game called Dynama, which was a play set I wrote because this set of cards, this dice um, work for a number of play sets. Playsets are settings like space or uh, high school hallways or for Dynama, it was a high magic, high technology future, post, post-apocalyptic. The world has ended and grown back and now there is magic everywhere and death robots wandering the world. I had so much fun writing it. I had so much fun streaming it because it was a huge first for me. My first streamed campaign, my first game that was not D&D. Uh, it was big and I fell in love with the game more and I learned more about it. And then this position opened up and I went for it. So after the entire process, I find myself here working at Monocle Society for two weeks now and really loving it. Really loving it so far. It sounds really, really awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know I caught bits and pieces of Dynama over on Scraticus. So it, it, it looked like a lot of fun. Like I said, it only was. bits and pieces for me, though, because time did not. That's how a lot of my life is, too. I try to catch streams where I can, but Dynamo was very special to me, and I think it resonated with a lot of people, and it was an important story. Yeah. We told an important and valuable story, and we're all going to walk away with memories, like we had uh, an emotional support frog in the game uh, that one of the players, Jay Grave Art, actually made 
support frogs for each of us. And I'm, I'm going to take it up to be at my work office, but right now it's on my dining room table and it is definitely the best emotional support I could ask for. And yeah, it was a really rewarding game. And I can honestly thank them for, well, putting on a great show for one thing. I, I like to think that helped in my consideration for this position but also in just being the emotional support behind the scenes, because it's not easy to apply for a job across a country and know that you're up against so many other people on LinkedIn. And uh, it's definitely nerve wracking. And they were there every step of the way, like an RPG family can be. And I'm very grateful for that. That is one of the things I can say I've noticed since I got active with RPG community on Twitter is just the immense amount of support. I mean, granted, you do need to build your friendships, you know, carefully because you can very easily end up friends with people who maybe aren't the greatest people or maybe don't reflect your values. But I mean, take a month, maybe, and you should be able to find your set of people there that you really resonate with. So. Yeah. I've been very blessed to find several great, wonderful groups that I've been able to connect with. I can say the same. <laughs> that's, oh, that's so good. It's, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we share one, which is Graticus's Academy. Yes. Oh God. Several Such within Graticus's channel, I would say too. Yes. They're definitely, there's, yes. <laughs> Words start to fail. <laughs> yeah. Um, you also write and run an actual play podcast. Uh, that's Fate and the Fable Maidens. What has it been like running that? So I started Fate and the Fable Maidens with uh, three of my best friends. And while one of them has had to leave the show because life stuff, uh, we created something we are so proud of. and happy with and it's family friendly which was very important to us none of the four of us who originally started the show had gotten into rpgs until college or afterwards and we think that part of it was because of the media we were presented with and if we could present media that families would feel comfortable sharing with their younger children then it could introduce them to the game sooner and maybe we'll help other people find a game that they love sooner than we did. It's been a wild and wonderful experience. It's pretty much how I've plugged into the online gaming community. Uh, I can put it solely on the back of Fate and the Fable Maidens. And uh, I'm still creating this wonderful show with my friends. And uh, we, we love what we're doing. We love our characters. And I'm excited for what the story holds. But the community that we've seen grow around the show and the response we've seen to family-friendly content, but also uh, all-women content is uh, very humbling and we're grateful for it it's not something we expected to see grow nearly as much as we've seen grow in the past year 
and it's only been a little over a year now, but it's going to continue to grow and we're going to continue working on it. And uh, we are going to roll with the punches. We're going to see what we can do with this. We're going to uh, D&D Live. Uh, I'm going to be going representing the podcast in May and uh, we have a new cast member coming up maybe sometime in the future. And uh, basically there's a lot to look forward to and I'm excited to see where that continues to go. It's really exciting. Um, I know I didn't see a lot of stuff far as D&D in media growing up. A lot of that's probably got to do with how I was raised, which media really wasn't a thing. We had news, straight up just the news. Jeopardy and Mash. That 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 was it. Okay, yeah. No, not a lot of content with D and D in it. Yeah, and so, um, <laughs> but that's one of the things I'm noticing is that, you know, if you, if you go into the history on it, yeah, there was some scary scary media around it for like a long time, and I think it's really interesting that you took a take of what if we took it and represent presented it in a family-friendly way and said, hey, it's not this thing that it's been made out to be. It's really this, and it's really cool, and yes. <laughs> yeah, it was. it's important to us for families to feel comfortable listening to our podcast with young kids in the car. And every family is different. Uh, every family has different expectations. Um, and I learned that, especially running a game just for my family last Christmas, because every person from a different generation had different expectations of D&D and what it is. And to overcome that, we felt it was important for us to create something G-rated. So it's very much, it feels like a Saturday morning cartoon, and I love it. It. We've delved into emotions. There's some uh, deeper topics there as well. But I pull inspiration from shows I love, like The Dragon Prince, Avatar The Last Airbender, um, She-Ra, heck yeah. So it's fantastic to try to create something tonally similar to those shows that is a D&D actual play podcast that hopefully families can listen to in road trips and enjoy. It's interesting where you took your inspiration from. Um, my two five-year-olds have been around D&D since they weren't even a year old. Year old. They had their first die. Granted, we did the smart thing and got the ones too big to go in a person's mouth at any age. <laughs> well, okay, maybe an adult could, but you really shouldn't. <laughs> um, you know, we got them their first D20s, which are like, you know, D20s. Yeah. And uh, they recently started bugging. They want to start playing too. And it's interesting trying to figure out how to make the system a little bit more friendly for five-year-olds because yes. it's like, okay, we have to ax so much of the mechanics and so much stuff just on the character sheets. Like, Hey, these are kids learning to write, but that that's going to be ex an exciting journey too. Cause it's like teaching little girls to play. <laughs> we do the same thing uh, with the podcast is we end up playing a very rules light version in the hopes that that will be 
more easily presented to a younger audience or to beginners. Yeah. Either or. I can, I can say that's when things, you know, for me, it was a little bit different as a beginner. I hounded my dungeon master for the dungeon master's guide before game. My very <laughs> first game, because I was like, no, I have to know everything. I can speed read through this thing. You won't believe it. And I did. And he's like, okay, you did that in wow. an hour. I'm like, yeah, I did that in an hour. You skim. You skim. Wow. <laughs> and so um, I was able to get enough of the stuff that wasn't in there because there is, I don't care what anyone says. The player's handbook is missing a lot of stuff information-wise that, for some people, could be very crucial to how they play their character. Information mm -hmm. on settings that, unless you grew up reading lore books like the Dragonlance series and all that, you don't have. And you can go online and go to the wikis and get that information, but it's so much faster to go to the Dungeon Master's Guide and get what's really the abbreviated, quick and dirty, here's what you gotta know about this thing. Yes. Um, I realized that I kind of skipped ahead there with my okay. questions earlier. Um, Monocle Society also has Daemon Trilogy, Sabrosa, and Dozen's Donuts. Do you know anything about those games that you can share with us? Uh, I know that they are both worth checking out, uh, but I haven't actually gotten the chance to play them myself. I think that's partly because... I've only been there two weeks, and Weave is a big focus for us right now because there is so much exciting coming up. Like, it is the first uh, tabletop mixed reality hybrid game, uh, and that is so exciting and a lot of work on the horizon. Mixed what reality? Initially... Wait, what? Mixed reality. I know, it's oh, very cool. So there are so many implications for what mixed reality could bring to our real world. But one of the important things for us is to have a foot in the door for tabletop games so that we reserve a space for the community as the potential for mixed reality grows. And it's very, very cool. Uh, I work with fantastic developers who are working in a, a 3D space right now, and there's a lot of implications for what it could bring to storytelling or to game night. That's very, very cool. So Weave is what initially drew me to the company, and I'm excited to play their other games, but I have not yet. <laughs> Understandable. I I know I saw we've really shown up on Twitter roughly about the time of your move. So I yep makes yes. sense. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> um, let's see, we did that. Okay, so you stream on Nerd Immersion and on Scraticus. What has that been like? And what have your favorite games been on those channels? Well, I have uh, three games to shout out. And the first, I started streaming on Scraticus Academy a little over a year ago, and that was unexpected. I actually thought that I was asked because of the podcast, Fate and the Fable Maidens, but it turned out that we just kind of ran into each other in social circles, and I joined a one-shot, which was one of the most memorable one-shot stories I had ever played in. Uh, I remember like 
hiding behind my hands at a huge betrayal I never saw coming and just loving every second of it. So I joined more and more games. And for a while there, my job was uh, full time and I could not hop into anything longer form than a couple of one shots here and there. But uh, once Gratticus moved full time, I was able to hop into my first full streamed game as a player. We played Cypher System. It is a game called Eden. And I cannot say enough good things about it. And in fact, I think I'm going to tease a few things because I can. And we are currently playing season two of Eden over on Scraticus Academy on Wednesday nights. And I have a huge Eden-related announcement to be making next Wednesday. It'll be on social media and it'll also be in-game. But I've been working on something really big with the GM for that game, Alice for quite a while. The whole cast is in on it, and we have uh, some artists in on it as well, uh, and it's going to be pretty fantastic. I'm really excited for it, and it's because we love the game so much. It's something that means a lot to us, and we want it to live on. We want it to reach more people. We want it to be accessible because I think it is a valuable story and the rest of the cast agrees and we're going to find a way to make that possible oh, more that's, soon. That's really awesome. That, yeah. That kind of just, just a bit of information that kind of gives an idea of what the thing is. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a hint, hint, wink, wink yeah. kind of moment, but uh, it'll be really good. And uh, there will be more information Wednesday with, the project launching a little bit further into the year. And also around the same time, I joined a nerd immersion campaign with playing D&D, uh, a group called the Belladonnas. And that was also huge because they welcomed me with open arms. And it is a game with friends that I look forward to every other week. And we're about to move weekly. And I'm so excited for that because it's so cathartic to play with a group that I love. And then my last game to shout out is, of course, Dynama, which I talked a little bit about already, so I won't spend too much time here. But that game I will remember forever because of the first it was for me. And I always think about how if things had changed, if things had been different, it could have been, it could have had worse memories. And honestly, I will fondly remember everything about the experience, even though it happened while I was applying for a job and had huge health problems and a major surgery and all of these things that I think could have prevented me from enjoying it if I weren't with such an incredible group who shouldered the storytelling together. It was a joint effort. And if that meant I had to stream from my bed, recovering from surgery and on a lot of pain meds play with that group and tell that story then gosh darn i was going to do it that's a lot of dedication there i think <laughs> i think it's that's important for everyone to have that at some point if you're if you're gonna be doing this as a long-term thing to have that experience with that one game that just you know will stick with you the rest of your life whether it's your first game or your 50th game, you know, um, 
Because it's powerful, and I, I feel it's something that can really change players and GMs as future players and GMs once they've experienced that. Um, I also want to say, I, I have played on Encounter Roleplay before. I had to leave the, the game that I was regularly a part of because of the new job I started. It The stream fell solidly during my workday, and so I couldn't manage that. But I had an incredible team over there as well that I was grateful to play with and that was a great opportunity and I'm sorry I had to leave but also I'm so grateful for the games that I did not have to leave because of the move and uh, two of them are part of Scraticus Academy and that is a fantastic space really with is. fantastic people <laughs> two incredible games I love them I cannot say enough good things about them wow Eden and Dynama. Wow. Um, I know. I did a one-shot in the Dark Matter one with Ellis as DM, and that was absolutely insane, and it was left open-ended, so maybe my character can come in on another thing in the future, which would be awesome. Yes, that would be awesome. I want to explore this. Okay, so I've always loved space. And yes. for me, it had never previously occurred that space and role play could go together outside yes. of when I was a little kid pretending to be the astronaut I was going to someday be. So to experience that in a game, like I'd reached out because a friend was like, hey, they're looking for players for this thing. You should like reach out to them. I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do that. And it just happened. And it's like, you don't understand what just happened here. You don't. I just got to live out my dream that otherwise can't happen because physical limitations, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I want to play that character more. It's like, it was such a tease. <laughs> oh, and they stick with you, those characters that you love and you've only played once. I just, uh, I finished my D&D &D live character like today and I'm so excited to play her, but... Now I'm getting too excited to play her, and I'm only going to get to play her for like an hour and a half in LA. And so I'm already thinking of other places where she might can show up so that I get to love her more. That's uh, one thing I did when I started DMing, which is only a recent thing. I've been playing for roughly five years, but I was like, I've had all these campaigns where I rolled a character starting in high school. Okay, I had many years of rolling characters, and that was it. And I was like, I want to play these characters. How can I do that? I'm DM now. I am playing these characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably what will happen is she'll show up somewhere in a game in something I run. You'll be like, oh, I, I recognize that name. Huh. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, Mike Wayne pointed out, Arger37 from Dark Matter did come up in Eden. I remember that. I remember that because I caught the tail end of the like season finale on both of those. And I was like, oh, what the? <laughs> and I think it's important to say that it did not just come up, but it is somehow essentially tied mm -hmm. to Eden because we are getting more Agro 37 references in season two. And uh, it's, we're not sure exactly how everything connects yet, but Golly gee, it's looking pretty mind-boggling so far, so. She, Ellis is so good at doing that stuff. 
She's so good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to, I'll have to work on getting some of the Argo 37 crew in on uh, this project with Eden as well, because I think the more the merrier. And if they're tied together anyway, let's get some more recognizable voices in. That'd be awesome. <laughs> what? It isn't Blister's fault. I don't believe it. <laughs> uh, I mean, have you met Blister? That, that's what I'm saying. I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I would blame a lot on Blister, to be honest. <laughs> Tries to fix things, makes them worse. It's, awesome. yeah, it's pretty easy to just point fingers. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said one of the things you do is you're a writer. What is one of your current writing projects if you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, my current big writing project is I'm actually revising the Dynama playset for Weave. Uh, I really liked writing it, but I learned a lot from playing it on stream that I think will affect how it actually plays out for other people. So I'm revising it, editing it so that it kind of reflects what I learned about the world and what I want other people to be able to experience with the playset when and if it becomes available. And I'm just going to say when, when it becomes available for a greater audience. And I'm excited to share that. But then also, I have a number of novels that I work on. And so... Uh, I have a long-term project that I'm looking forward to getting back to, spending some time. Uh, I started writing it a while ago. It started as a short story and has expanded into something more. And it's uh, middle grade horror. And I want to spend more time with it. I want to work more with it. And I'm hoping to build that into my routine here. Lastly, I have been working on scripts. I'm just going to leave that one there um, and not delve into it too much. But uh, yeah, I've been working on some scripts. Scripts are exciting. <laughs> scripts are exciting. Scripts are very exciting. Um, what advice would you give to someone just getting into tabletop roleplay gaming? So I think one of the best pieces of advice that I wish I had known was to set your perceptions aside when coming to the table and just allow yourself to be open-minded with who you're playing with, where you're playing, what game you're playing. Uh, whatever you've seen could be true. But a lot of places, it's not. Um, and that could go either way. Like that could be something positive. That could be something negative. But if you leave those perceptions, you're going to see things as they really are. If you find yourself in a toxic situation, absolutely feel free to leave. No one will judge you for that. And if they do, they are not important. Um, but you might find that when you put those perceptions aside, you're in a really positive place. And you might discover more that you love because of it. Some pretty good advice there. Um, I know myself, I haven't ever experienced a negative space. And I know that I'm really, really blessed on that. Because I know so many people do regardless of where they're coming from. So yeah, 
I've been in several negative situations starting out and some that just got worse. Um, but even then, I learned so much from the way the important people, the ones that I want to keep around me, rose up in support. And that that was very valuable. So I've found a good place. I've found a good group, uh, multiple good groups. And so those negative experiences don't have to weigh me down. I've had them. I'll be honest about them. I'll share about them because people can relate. But I have overcome them in the gaming space and I couldn't have done it without the amazing people around me. So. Awesome. I'm glad that you've, you know, that even when it wasn't great, there's something that you were able to walk away with and that you were able to continue and then find the good experiences. Yeah. Multiple great experiences. And, oh my gosh, I, we've talked about it a little bit, but I've made so many friends. Like, this is the first time we've really gotten the chance to talk, but I'm grateful for it because I've seen you around and I feel like connecting with you and forging a friendship with more people in the RPG community is one of the reasons I love being here. I can agree. I know. We, we've kind of been in each other's peripheral for like a couple months now. I'm like, yes. she's super busy. I'm super busy. <laughs> At some point, we may not be so super busy, but right now... <laughs> Hey, we found the overlap and I'll take it. That's great. Yes. It's a great opportunity to sit and talk. Um, another thing, um, I saw you were in on the upcoming charity in May. Yes. Yes. That's exciting. Um, yes. Waiting for more information on that, but there's going to be a charity thing ran on. Oh God, I don't even remember the channel right now. <laughs> more info to come on that. Yes. <laughs> um, are we? Uh, okay. What is one of the biggest things you've learned since you started running Fate and the Fateful Maidens? Uh, one of the biggest things I've learned. I, ooh, okay, okay. I have learned not to let my nerves dictate my gaming experience because Fate and the Fable Maidens was the first game I DM'd. <laughs> And it's still going. Um, so it was a huge experience. Uh, I felt a little thrown into it. And part of that was on me for throwing myself into it. But at the same time, through that process, I learned that I didn't need to be nervous every time the characters talked to a plot-relevant NPC. And I didn't need to be so nervous every time I dropped a, an important story element into the audio. There were so many things that I, I was very shaken by in the first few episodes that now come more naturally. And I think anxieties are normal and valid and natural, but it's also exciting to know that looking back a year later i have been able to overcome a lot of those nerves and uh they no longer 
affect my storytelling in the same way that they used to. So that was a huge thing. And I would say a very validating thing to learn is that I can tell a story and I don't have to be nervous every time I do something with it. Would you say that starting as a DM and being live at the same time when you do that, uh, would you say that that maybe kind of colored the experience of it far as, oh, hey, this is really scary because this is this is really scary? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that. I mean, there are a lot of really scary steps I've taken. Uh, I, I'm scared every time I run a new RPG just because it's different and I have to learn it. And I love doing it. Absolutely. I wouldn't trade it. Um, I would say there's a difference between like, I feel safe and being comfortable uh, because I've stepped out of my comfort zone a lot. And it's much easier to do in a safe space where I know there's a safety net. Um, but that's, it's the same with weave. It was the same with Dynama and it was the same with even Eden because it was a new experience for me. And yeah, it started out really scary, but now it's not so bad. I can understand that. Um, my first time DMing was live. Uh, mine is streamed as well. And it's, oh, it was so nerve wracking. And then... My players had to be buttheads. And what, 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 what do players like to do to t new DMs? Let's see if we can break them a bit. Oh, yeah. Five minutes in. Just beat red. Had to walk away like, all right, guys. I'll be back in a few. Just, I need a moment. What do you guys just do here? And I think they're, 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 they're great at that. They're really, really yes. great. And I think for some groups, that really, really works. And it can be a fun dynamic, you know long as it's kept in uh in good faith you know yes I'm excited to see what the next brain breaking thing is the yes the beholder Same. the beholder i still so one of the characters who is from the abyss and generally will like attack without impunity anything from the abyss hugs the beholder and protects it from the rest of the players and convinces it, you know, why don't you just be our friend and come with us on our journeys and go see the world? Yeah. <laughs> it's sweet yeah, players. on the one hand. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, it's like, it is a beholder. <laughs> what did you do? It has death rays coming from its eyes. Oh, not this one, Can apparently. You hug it? Oh, of course not. <laughs> I I had a friend whose first experience playing D D was a one shot after she'd had a really crummy day. And she ended up coming to the game store to an event that I organized there once a week. And she showed up, made a character named a dragonborn named Kyle Fosho. And Kyle Fosho hugged some of the and one of the antagonist pixies, and Kyle Fosho ended up engaged to her by the end of the game. And the whole game store threw a wedding the next week for the two of them. And now Kyle Fosho's character pixie, uh, I'm sorry, character sheet is hung on the wall in her apartment, in her bedroom. 
uh, next to a printout that she made that said, I hug the pixie. <laughs> that's so awesome. And so if that's her one D&D experience and it's framed on her wall, we're doing something right there. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh. And of course it was a pixie. <laughs> it was a pixie. Yes, it was perfect. It was, uh, they were a great couple. Pixies are, pixies are great. It's, I've got a project I started working on recently because, and I think I may have said this at my last podcast. Yeah, because it was earlier that week. I woke up, kind of, sort of. I hadn't really quite been to sleep. And I made the mistake of tweeting. Mm. An idea that a lot of people liked. And it's like, I got actual sleep later went back online after I'd gotten actual sleep, saw the notifications and said, oh, oh, I'm doing this thing now? <laughs> what oh, did I do? Okay. <laughs> cool. Here we are. Yep. So uh, and that, that's been an experience. Um, it's a full supplement. Oh, wow. Yep. Very nice. Yep. I, I have never been. I don't dip toes in. I run and jump. <laughs> Hey, that's yeah. one way to go. Yeah. It's, it's my only, I, I have no chill. <laughs> um, I look forward to your full supplement. I'm, we're getting there. We're getting there. A lot, yeah, of, a lot awesome. of research and maybe a few people I need to reach out that might have a little bit of insight on things. Um, but I've already got my first couple of races done. Just need to fill in the lore stuff. And okay. We're doing it. Already. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's huge. Ah, so. Sorry. No, it's, 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 it's exciting. I'm excited about it. I'm excited when other people are excited. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so who or what inspired you to start playing tabletop role-playing games? Who or what inspired me? Wow. Uh, I don't know. And I'm actually gonna say no one, no one inspired me. Um, I had people ask me to play role-playing games, but there was never a specific inspiration for getting into it. Of course, since getting into it, I've discovered people that I admire and who do inspire me within the space, but not at the get-go. Um, I didn't even realize this whole world was here. And there were several people who encouraged me to play that I don't want to play with. Um, and I would rather not play with again. But then as I started getting into it and enjoying it more, uh, I did find a couple, a handful of people that I would play with anytime and i'll say that they inspire me i'll say that um my core group for fate and the fable maidens uh laura hutton and samantha turley and it is laura's birthday by the way so quick shout out to her happy birthday twin yay um and i think it's like three minutes left in her birthday um but also the the families that I've found since, the players who have welcomed me in with open arms, and they're a constant inspiration for me 
the passion that they bring, the ability to storytell and the ability to share some of the weight and the burdens that come along with life, um, even though we've never met in person. I think that's pretty inspiring. So shout outs to all the casts of Fate and the Fable Maidens, the Belladonnas over on Nerd Immersion, and Eden and Dynamo over on Scraticus Academy. I think that's a really a really interesting thing, thing too, because a lot of people come in with, oh, hey, inspiration comes from somewhere, and it doesn't have to. But I think very much the thing that keeps people in anything that they're interested in if there isn't inspiration at the start, if inspiration comes in while they're doing a thing. I don't, I don't see anyone that really sticks with stuff if that never becomes a part of the equation for them. Yeah, it's important. And uh, it's it's everywhere around me now, which is pretty stinking cool, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I can agree. I agree with that. Um, I think with that makes now a good time to go ahead and take a break. So we're going to take off for a bit and we will be back shortly. And we're back guys. Um, yay. Hi. Panorama of Hell. We see you there. Uh, you mind telling us a little bit about Unlimited Saga? Cause neither one of us have heard of that one and it's, you've kind of piqued our interest a bit with that. So we're curious. Yes. What is this Unlimited Saga that apparently <laughs> may have been a bit of a dumpster fire for someone happens yeah can i look at this train wreck please <laughs> i want to know oh. i'm gonna get my bowl of food out of the shot <laughs> yum i don't know if i have anything that i would consider a um worst rpg yet horrible ps2 rpg oh that hurts with a beautiful art style no <laughs> the art style just like twists the knife yeah i can see that no that hurts <laughs> I know. As an artist, that hurts. Great art. <laughs> Bad gameplay. No. Okay. I wonder if there's like a tabletop version of it, though, because then you can control it. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, always possible. Mechanics, sometimes you'd have to tweak or like, you know, use other mechanics in the world. But yeah, yeah. there's always possibilities. I think that's one of the fun things I discovered when I first started looking at RPGs was how many things were written for shows or for, you know, or for games like that weren't tabletop that got ported to where they would make sense for tabletop. Like the one I'm still dying to do, honestly, is the Sailor Moon one. <gasps> Sailor Moon ever since I was seven and until I'm a 90 year old fitty on my deathbed. <laughs> so I would love to see that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's one of the reasons I was really excited about Lasers and Liches and them bringing in the Magical Girl stuff, because I was like, oh, yes! I can Me that out. too. Uh, I love that. We we did a Retroverse uh, mini-arc in Fate and the Fable Maidens, 
um, run by not even me, one of the other players DM'd for that special. And oh my gosh, it was so much fun to create those characters and run around in this retro world with fanny packs of holding. Like it was so much fun. Props to them for the the world they're creating. Um, one of the things I did, which I want to talk to them about because I did uh, support at one of the higher tiers where you get an item and I'm like I created this thing which is very similar to a thing that is in you know Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons but it's flavored for Retroverse and it's like uh, the Kepa the, the Kepa many things mm-hmm. yes but Retroverse very cool. Yeah. So it's like, can can we make this the thing? Can we make this the thing? Because we've already got a player. Well, two two of the players have it. One of them has already used it. It's like we've got this kinder that sits there, and makes funny noises, and flies. <laughs> it's great. It's like it's so on brand mm. for a kinder to do that kind of stuff. This is great. <laughs> so, I'm excited for that one. Okay. Yeah. So, um. God, there's so much good stuff out there. Seriously. It's hard to really focus on. You can throw a rock and hit something fantastic, which makes navigating them that much more difficult. I have so many RPGs on my shelf that I haven't played. I want to. They all look amazing. I have a shelf now. I'm so excited. This is one of the, like, the big joys of this move is I have a little shelf. It's only halfway full, but it's going to get more full. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Um I know at some point I want to run uh, Mouse Guard because I have that. It was gifted to me a while back. Um, Very nice. There's a couple I've came across through my podcast uh, that I really want to check out. Uh, Market Magic by uh, Breaking the Binary. The idea that they have behind this thing is really, really interesting. And it was created for one of the game jams. And it's like, I want to get this thing and understand it a bit better and incorporate it into my stuff because this is cool, you know, because as they were explaining the game, I was seeing how it could work inside other RPGs so, so well. It's like, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I mean, even we've like, I now work with this, this company and I haven't played all of the play sets that it offers. Um, I think I've played three of six that are currently in there. And like, I need to, I don't know exactly when I'm going to find the time, but like, I need to, not just because I work with the company, but because they're like really interesting and cool. And so I think it's kind of the same with my RPG shelf as I've played about half of them. I have more. And over time, I'll be able to kind of check those off and learn the games and have more experiences and throw some stones and hit some new great games and add to that shelf. Yes. <laughs> Gonna happen. How Weave was initially explained to me is that it was a tabletop playing game where you used a set of cards that was very similar to having a tarot deck in the game. And I was like... Yes. That's something I need to check out because um, tarot cards are a thing I do. So, look at that it's art. Very, 
it's the art is fantastic it's beautiful but it is very similar it's inspired by um a tarot deck and so it is also somewhat fundamentally different but it could definitely be read um and i did readings for each of the characters for some of the games that i've played on stream um in order to kind of create their characters and it's a very cool experience it seems like it's something that could be an interesting alternative to how the deck of many things works yes and it's as chaotic as the deck of many things can be and i've experienced it in a game it actually broke the campaign and we have not been able to return because most of the characters are level 11 and then we have a level 16 and a level oh. 24 which 5e is not written for anything above level 20 so a level 24 character is a problem of on a whole nother level there so dang <laughs> when three people get that ding deck at the same time that that was in the one i was talking about on break with the 21 players that'll get you yep 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 i i feel dm should maybe could have made a ruling that maybe the other two people didn't get it but it is what it is so. yeah it's it's very cool the um the story cards as they're called are um based off of the major arcana and then the uh challenge cards which are you know to actually overcome specific challenges within the game are inspired by the minor arcana so oh, including cool. having four different suits so there's uh gales stones brooks and flames and each of them represent a different aspect of role playing like brooks is charisma they're elemental yeah my turn is actually an elemental deck too so that's really awesome <laughs> <laughs> who knows maybe some person does the weird thing and uses it as like a regular tarot deck <laughs> I, it I sounds mean... like it could work it could work. I think there's definitely, you'd have to do some um, hacking to figure it out, but it's definitely possible. Could be a fun journey for someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what led you to playing and DMing streamed games? Wow, what do you like about playing publicly? Oh, gosh. Uh, I really just happened on uh, streamed games. The podcast was kind of, uh, we decided to play with friends and then we decided from there that we wanted to do it well and maybe create something that other people would enjoy too. And so that's how we started a podcast, which I think was a very, um, I'm going to say the word naive and I'm not sure it's exactly the right word, but I think it was a very naive way to start a podcast because we were just like, yeah. We'll do this game with friends and then uh, if other people want to enjoy it with us great which people wanted to enjoy it with us which is great but we weren't super expecting so um we had to definitely learn what that meant what it meant to play not just publicly but publicly with a large following and uh then going and doing streamed games uh i oh my gosh i got a whole different side of things at least with podcasts they're edited so uh if we made a flub in the audio if we said something that wasn't family friendly we could 
go back and re-say it um, and fix it in post. But on stream with live mistakes, live uh, responses, it was a different beast to tackle. And I think for me, I... I've enjoyed it a lot, but I definitely notice moments where I wish I could have delved into a character moment differently. And of course, there are some that are still fantastic, and I love them, but sometimes I, Renee, don't know how to respond if I'm thrown off guard by something, and I know that the character would have responded differently, and I wish I could do that justice, but because it's live, <laughs> I'm at a loss. <laughs> I'm just... Wow. Um, so I think one of the most recent examples of that is I was playing in Eden this week and my character was faced with suddenly a number of horrors, including like all of her friends being in danger and her being the only one who was somewhat okay. And there was no good option for her. I mean, there was nothing really she could do. It was pretty helpless. And I think I'm nervous for what it will mean when we come back for next episode and how I play out those feelings um, because she struggles a lot with anxieties and um, panic attacks. And while I've experienced those and can role play them i want to do it justice and i want to um share that with an audience and also trying to put that in a story that i know needs to continue and needs to continue live is a uh, kind of a daunting task but overall i love being able to do it and i love experiencing games with a community it seems one-sided to be a part of a podcast, but we never feel like it's one-sided. We don't feel like our table is just for players, for friends. It's lots of friends. It's all of the Fable mates, which is what our community named themselves, um, which we're still floored by. So we have four friends and a bunch of Fable mates experiencing that podcast together. And then with the streams, being able to chat with people in the actual Twitch chat and then hopping over to Discord to yell about things. It's so fantastic. And one of the things I'm excited about for future projects is being able to delve into some of those character moments, um, whether that's uh, writing something that, uh, writing a scene that I wish I had done better in prose, I can do to give characters the the justice that I want to give them, but also to relive and uh, immortalize some of my favorite RPG moments. And uh, like I said, with Eden, there's a, a huge project on the horizon that I think will allow a lot of delving into the characters and seeing more aspects of them more fleshed out in a way that we just could not do live, but we can now. It's really cool. Um... I will say that going into Discord and yelling about the stuff, it's such a different way to decompress afterwards, but it's it's refreshing because it's like, because it is a shared experience, so you're able to sit there and while, yes, while you're playing, you may be able to partially disconnect from the character to interact with chat and have the moment that it's not quite the same as getting up and being like, 
But this thing, though, this thing that happened and words that were said and people that did things and, whoa, you know. I remember a moment at the end of Eden season one where I was trying to explain to my grandmother what had happened in game. And I was like standing in the kitchen, gesturing wildly, trying to explain this hugely cinematic moment that she was not there for. And because she had only played one RPG before, really had no context for. Um, But she like listened and smiled and nodded because she knew that I was excited. And she asked questions like, whoa, did that really happen? And I was like, yeah. And it was so exhilarating. So there's definitely like something to be said for having those outlets in your real face-to-face life. Um, But Discord has been very cool because even though it is through a screen, uh, I can still yell with other people who had similar emotional reactions to the story. Uh, We're all playing together, really. And if I'm yelling about something that happened with my character, someone in the audience is too, and that's freaking awesome. Yeah. That's kind of reminds me of, you know, going back to childhood and playing stuff and you go in and you tell your parents about the thing and they're, you know, or your grandparents, whoever you're living with, you know, and they're very much, you know, they remember being children and going through the same thing and they're very much. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. I remember one of the first moments when I realized, as I mentioned earlier about us standing up in the game store. One of the first moments when I realized I was going to love RPGs was when my character was able to achieve something epic in combat. And I told the whole story to my roommate at the time, who now has a framed character sheet by her bed, but didn't at the time. And so she was just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. But she was willing to get excited because I was. And so thank you for those people who may not be gamers and may not play regularly, but are willing to share the excitement because we're excited. And that's that's a powerful thing. I know when my sister lived closer and I'd visit her and I'd excitedly tell her about things and she'd just be like, ugh, nerd. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah, always, and proud. Yeah, and it was just, I'd love to say I could someday get her into it. No. No. She is just... If it's ever been labeled as a nerd thing, it won't happen. Like, I'm trying to argue in my nephew's favor of having consoles in the house because it's like, no, this is like a cultural thing. You know how people will talk about things that we didn't watch growing up and we didn't catch until we were adults and we didn't understand? This is very much the same thing. Let's not... Let's not do this to the next generation. They they need this as much as we needed the TV stuff. <laughs> That's actually one of the reasons I love that Weave is uh, called a storytelling game. Um, that's uh, what it's like tagged as. And I think that's so valuable because there are a lot of people and the reasons why we don't have to touch on, like there are so many, there's a range of reasons why people may not, associate positive things with role-playing games or tabletop role-playing games. And so uh, I think that having something that is a storytelling game 
uh, allows people to feel more comfortable with it if they had those either bad experiences or uh, negative perceptions because of what they've encountered in their lives. So yeah. it's a pretty cool thing. Definitely does a lot to divorce it from the stigmas, which is, it is big. And I think a lot of games could do good by by shifting away from that. Maybe someday role-playing games aren't called role-playing games anymore. And maybe They're that would be a make good believe. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Come play make-believe with us. Right? Let's go full circle. We start as yeah. little children playing make-believe. We go through school where they teach us not to play make-believe. We become adults. We play make-believe. Okay, maybe if you get into drama and stuff in school, they really encourage make-believe again. Or Yeah, writing. I did that. But I did that. Out, so. Outside of that, if, if you're not getting into writing and you're not getting into drama, playing make-believe really isn't encouraged once you hit like a point in your life where they're like, okay, you're too old for that now. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Never. <laughs> so how long have you been the <laughs> words? Yeah. Um, how long have you been a content creator? Wow, uh, I've only been a content creator for a little over a year now in a public fashion. I mean, I have, for the longest time, I had a bajillion chapter ones saved on my computer and very few actual novels. Um, I started writing a little bit more regularly, but didn't do anything publicly with those pieces. So here in this space, I the first thing that I released for public consumption, actually, I think, period, was Fate and the Fable Maidens. And uh, it was February 19th, 2018. We'll remember that for so long because it changed all of our lives in amazing ways. And that creation, that content, has spiraled into other aspects of our lives. Uh, we've all streamed in one way or another. Um, we have other podcast projects coming up. Uh, one of the other cast members from Fate and the Fable Maidens is uh, in the pre-production for an Enneagram podcast with uh, another friend of ours. And then I, of course, have had so many other projects stem from Fate and the Fable Maidens. I honestly think that a large part of why I have this job can be tied to Fate and the Fable Maidens, because if not for the podcast, I wouldn't have been at the convention where I met the CEO and first played the game and ended up buying it. So it's it's snowballed into a lot of other aspects of my life. And I'm so, so glad that I started content creating over a year ago because looking back at what it is now and what it is then, it's humbling and awe-inspiring to me. And I want to keep creating content. So I'm I'm looking forward to being able to say soon when I get asked that question that I've been a content creator for five years or I've been a content creator for 10 years. And uh, get to really see what I can do in that time. 
it can be so, so wild. And you never know until you start doing it, for one. And then you never know if your thing's going to be, like, really big or if it's just going to be your own little passion project, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, it's it's the Wild West. It really is. <laughs> and you have to be passionate about it because it is hard to say exactly what's going to happen with it and what will resonate with people. Some projects you have to be prepared to say, you know, this one's just not working out for me. And I've done that, you know, in this past year, but there are also plenty that are working and plenty that I've been working on for a while. Um, I actually have a secret project that I've been working on with a couple of other people in the community for. I think over six months now, and it's about to start coming to light publicly. And I have, of course, this Eden project that uh, I've been working on for about three months now, and I'm going to continue working on until it launches, but we get to actually start talking about soon. So it's just, it's really incredible to see the ones that do work and uh, what they mean to me and what hopefully they'll mean to the people who consume them. Yeah. It's one of the one of the things that inspired me to start doing a podcast was sitting there being like you don't see outside of conventions to my understanding. I've never been to conventions. I've got my first one coming up this year and unless something happens before January um and I managed to go to another convention before this one. Um, I'll be doing my first panel at my first convention, but it's my understanding wow. that generally there aren't a lot of interviews within the space outside of the conventions themselves. And it's like, why is that? These hmm. people don't stop working on their things when there isn't a convention, you know? Right. And I was like, it could be a really powerful thing to be able to share this kind of stuff more often. And, you know, where more people have the potential of seeing it, maybe it inspires someone who wasn't interested before in trying a new thing. So, And one of the things that I is like hugely important to me, I would say a core value in all of my content creation is engaging people and involving people. For Fate and the Fable Maiden, since it's a cast of four, that means engaging with the community who listen to the show. But for other projects, I will have even more opportunities to lift up other people, to use talent that I know and recognize, friends that I want to support and lift up. And uh, shine light with, uh, on their work and their projects. So that's a long-term goal for me as I continue to create content is to create content where I can create with people and encourage, uh, following within the community, following others, seeing where their projects and their creations are going to go as well. Streaming has been a huge part of that, being able to create something, uh, a joint story with people that I had never played before in most instances. 
And I think that will continue to be, but it's important to me to have things where people can jump in and be involved in uh, creating as well. Yeah. See, and, and that's one of the other things is like, people look at streaming, they think of gaming and it's like, it has the potential to be so much more than that and could be so much more powerful than, than gaming in the traditional sense of streaming. It's, it's definitely a growing thing and the ability to connect it's it's a lot like you know my take on running an interview style podcast on ttrpg it's the ability to pull strangers together at a table albeit virtual who may have never met otherwise to play a game you know that that is right. very similar to the gaming floor at a con like these people that may not ever run into each other again or would not have otherwise sitting at this table playing together. I mean, it's, it's a thing and it's cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's, it's exciting to see. And, uh, it, it's one of the reasons I love playing. It's one of the reasons I'll continue to love playing. Oh, I, can't. oh, I was going to say something. I'm sorry. It's just that like th a lot of it is so new, right? Like even RPGs and content creation is new to me, but in general, uh, Twitch hasn't been around for all that long. Streaming as a, a career hasn't been around for all that long, but it's something that because we're building it from the ground up, uh, we can help dictate what the perceptions are going to be. Yeah. Uh, and that's exciting. Yes. Yes, very much. And I, I think, and that's where the power of the community to sit there and say, hey, this is the kind of stuff we accept. This is the kind of stuff we don't accept. The ability to really mold the entire perception of it over time, you know. I know that TTRPG in the larger picture with streaming isn't necessarily the biggest thing. It's where really, really big shows, like the big one everybody knows, are so important because they set a stage, they set a precedent, and they sit there and say, hey, this is a thing. This can be a thing. Yeah. We're building this from the ground up. Let's see what we can, uh, let's see what the final product we can make is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be exciting to see where this goes overall, because it's just, Yes. Yeah, I, I, th there's that, so that, much potential. Th th that is the big word of the day. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, I think that's one of the things that I'm excited about too, is I am working with a company now that is working with emerging technology and is looking towards the future. And again, it comes back to, I am so excited to see what we build. Because brick by brick, we are building it. And when we step back to see the final product, I believe it's going to be something incredible. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Because it's just, it's so cool. <laughs> um, yes. What have been some of your highlights and one of your lowlights as a writer and content creator? I say one because I know it can be really hard to put out something that 
maybe didn't go the way you planned or, you know. Yeah, uh, some of the highlights I mentioned earlier, the moment when the Fablemates community picked a name for themselves, which was uh, so cool. I think I'll always kind of keep that as a precious moment for me um, because I didn't know how people did that. And it was a huge honor for a group to say, hey, we like this thing. Let's create a name for ourselves inspired by it. There was also a moment where someone found me at PAX Unplugged to give me a piece of art that their eight-year-old daughter had created from listening to our podcast. And that was so important and so valuable. Like I, I cried. It's beautiful. And I have it with me in my backpack pretty much all the time. Um, we have fish tacos in our, our podcast. And so she you know, drew a little taco with a fish tail sticking out of it. And it's just perfect. Um, So that was incredibly meaningful. That's another moment I think that stuck out to me. And then uh, meeting people at those conventions and realizing that people have heard of me or recognize what I do. Um, or stop me for photos. That's humbling and precious. And I'm so grateful for that because it is an indicator that what I'm doing resonates with people. And I believe every story can have a positive impact on someone. It could be the writer or the creator themselves, or it could be the people who consume them. And some stories have enough to resonate with a lot of people and have the opportunity to the resources to resonate with a lot of people. And I'm very grateful that my content has resonated and that I meet so many incredible people, friends, fable mates because of it. That sounds great. Um, chat did bring up a good point and maybe it's something I should do. I hadn't thought of it before. Thank you, Nordic Greek. So if you're just tuning in, my name's Torn Pixie. This is the RPG Unlimited podcast, and we are talking with Renee Rhodes, who is DM and creator of Fate and the Fable Maidens, excuse me, <clears throat> as well as the social media manager for Monocle Society. I believe me. Project. Did I spell that right? I did. Yes. There we go. Spelt it right. Yeah. Perfect. So, if you'd like to check out more information, you have that there, except for that second one, because I misspelled fate. It's supposed to be fate's FM cast, not fat, fat FM cast. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fate FM, yes. So. Um, and we, uh, so uh, yes, I have a, a family-friendly podcast called Fate and the Fable Maidens that I make with some of my dearest friends. I recently started this job with Monocle Society, uh, working with the Weave game here in Seattle, uh, which I moved across country for, and it's been about two weeks of just awesome adventure so far. And I stream pretty regularly and have a lot of projects upcoming that I'm excited to talk more about. So thanks for joining us. It's awesome. And yes, thank you for the suggestion, because I hadn't thought of it before. Definitely (laughs) a thing in the notes. Hey, 
do this a bit more, <laughs> not just at and the beginning. <laughs> I think you also mentioned one thing that, uh, one low, um, and I think that was, uh, gosh, I think it was when, uh, my friend Becca left Fate and the Fable Maidens. Um, we created something so wonderful together and sometimes life gets in the way and I get it. I respect her and I totally understand. I think I had this um, rose tinted view of what we created was always going to be the same and it's not things change. And, uh, honestly, I had the opportunity to continue content creating through health problems, surgery, and a big move, but sometimes life doesn't allow for that. And, um, so it was very, very sad to see her go. And it also, um, made me kind of rethink and re um i guess refocus my mentality on hey change is okay and i can respect change and i can work with people through change um because things aren't always going to be the same and that's okay you've got to let go of whatever you created in your head things are going to be forever because they're not yeah that and that can be a really really hard lesson um especially when you've worked on a project and you're like we've got this thing set and this is how this works and it's great and then it's like oh there's life yeah Earth. yeah so it's so true and like i uh, we, the podcast is, is going to be completely fine. Um, it's one of those things that you roll with the punches because sometimes life doesn't cooperate in the way you want it to. And, uh, the best way we can do that is try and respect others where they're at and give them whatever they need. And, um, I love her and support her. And I know that whatever she does when she can do it again is going to be incredible. So. I know as a DM, especially when it's a close friend, it's, it can be rough. Um, I had a player on that was a close friend and it just, it wasn't a good fit. And it was, it was scary approaching them because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. But at the same time, it's like, it, it it just didn't gel for whatever yeah. reason, you know, and just when you have that emotional attachment to people, when you're like, Hey, I really want you to be part of this thing, but life reasons and things. Yes. Yeah. And I hard. get it. I, I really do get it. And so, um, like I said, I'll be cheering her on, but it made me reevaluate. I think that's the word I've been looking for. Reevaluate my mentality moving forward and so for whatever projects i come up with in the future i know hey sometimes there's going to be change and it's okay because your your project doesn't have to fall apart because of it because life stuff comes up yeah. it may mean you have to get creative and it means you have to be prepared and open-minded for that but uh it's okay 
I know we kind of covered this a bit earlier, but we do have people that weren't here earlier as well. Yeah. Um, where did it go? Uh, what was your first experience like as a tabletop role player? I know earlier you said it was, we, we, we talked a bit earlier, it's definitely very different from a lot of people who continue playing. My favorite experience? No, your first. My first experience, sorry. Yes. Um, we can my do favorite first... afterwards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, my first experience in tabletop role-playing, I <laughs> was hungry, and I ended up sitting down in the middle of the dungeon. We'd been playing for about four hours by that point. I had not realized that I was making a six-hour commitment. I had not realized I should bring snacks and my sketchbook. I hadn't realized what all was going to be going into gaming. Um, and I sat down in the middle of the dungeon and the DM said, what do you want to do on your turn, Renee? And I said, I want to eat. And he said, well, I think you have some rations in your bag. And I said, no, you don't understand. I want to leave and I want to go get tacos. And I feel so bad. Uh, he looked hurt and understandably, I was very cranky. I had a headache and I was hungry and I, uh, I hadn't realized what I was doing. And there were a number of other things just about like the group and the setting that were not the right fit for me. Um, and I walked away from gaming. He invited me to join a campaign with this group. And I basically said, Hey, Cool. I'm glad you like that role-playing thing. It's just not for me. And that's okay. Different people like different things. It's okay if you like sports. I don't have to like sports. It's okay if I like writing. You don't have to like writing. And uh, role-playing is just one of those things. Um, but it turned out that role-playing is something that I'm very passionate about. And it speaks to a lot of things that I was passionate about, like acting and writing and storytelling. I just didn't realize what the situation could be um, when I had a positive surroundings and a great group of people to play with and a safe space in which to play it. And so now that I have all of those, I have incredible stories like Fate and the Fable Maidens, uh, my podcast. I have Eden and Dynama, which were streams on Scraticus Academy. And I have weave and a job with fantastic co-workers and all of that has been possible because I came back to role-playing so thank you to the friends who nagged me and encouraged me to try it again and even though some of them I don't play with anymore and wouldn't want to um they made a huge impact for me and I'm grateful that I'm here because of them it, it, it can be one of those things where it's, you know, like a lot of other things where your first experience wasn't the best, but later you look back and you're like, as bad as that was, it led it's, to good things. It's very interesting that I can thank a number of toxic people for getting me into a safe space. And I, I, kind, is... of, I kind of cringe a little bit, right? Because like there are some people who 
really devastated me and people around me through their actions. And I just, I cringe a little to say they helped me find this and I'm glad and grateful because of that. Glad, grateful, possibly a little bit confused. Possibly a little bit confused, yeah. Um, if not for them, I wouldn't be here. And I am glad about that, at least. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting when stuff like that happens, you know, because it, it just kind of goes back to the whole thing. You never know what's going to happen in life and where something's going to take you. And just, especially when it's a stark contrast thing like that, like. Yes. How, why? It's just not going to question anymore because, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I am really glad. I, I thank you. Um, it called me black moon. I, I'm glad I found a safe space as well because it, it's been life changing. I mean, really, truly life changing. I'm in Seattle. I've, I moved to Seattle last week. What? Like what? Uh, and I'm here. So thank you to those safe spaces. And if uh, toxic people and bad situations were part of the reason I ended up in safe and really positive places, I'm grateful for that. I hate that I had to go through it. And I hate that other people did as well, because it wasn't just me, but I'm here. And I'm stronger for the things that I've, uh, I've experienced. And not only that, but I can really relate to people who've had bad experiences to women who have had really sexist experiences at gaming tables to um, people who've had toxic friendships or relationships um, and, and been tied to them in gaming. And I can speak to a lot of those aspects and yet be here as a stronger gamer who has so many projects, so much content and friends and an important community that I know I can rely on and I don't expect toxicity from them. I'll, I'll still encounter it, right? Like you still run into people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes people run in the same circles as you and you'll encounter that toxicity within gaming. But that to me just means it's more valuable to know that I have safe spaces to return to and people that I can really rely on and shoulder storytelling with me, but also shoulder friendship with me. And uh, if I do encounter toxic people or negative situations that hurt me, I have people I can turn to. Thanks to the RPG community. Totally agree there. Um, I would say one of the other things that comes from those kind of encounters is honestly, great stuff to draw from for villains yes you know like so true oh my gosh yeah um <laughs> that's such an interesting way to look at things but i definitely have walked away with stories and uh inspiration for what novels i will create uh, drawing from my own life experiences and it helps me tell stories yeah think uh stories would be hard for a person to tell if they hadn't experienced anything like that but i don't think i've met anyone 
that hasn't experienced something that they're like, oh, hey, this wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy this. Right. So it informs your experience and uh, it informs what you do. And I think there's an option, right? Like you can choose how you want to take it and what you want to do with it. And what I want to do with that, with my negative experiences, is share them, overcome them, and not be them. Yeah, it's a huge thing. Um, so I think we're ready for the next one. What has your cool. favorite experience been? Oh, my favorite experience. Uh, so there was a moment in Dynama, which was the Weave stream that I had the opportunity to run over on Scraticus Academy. Uh, it's a playset that I wrote for the game, which uh, allows for play in a number of different settings, six of which come in the app and more are on their way. So uh, basically, I had a moment in my GM experience where I realized that the bad guy was losing the fight. And their solution was to blow up the machine that they were fighting with and try to take down as many people as possible with that. And I made that decision in my head a couple of moments before one of the characters jumped onto the machine's back. And there was that horrible realization of, if I stick with this plan, I'm going to blow up that character and part of this party <laughs> and there was like this uh moment of okay well i've i've committed to this like i've started taking actions to make this happen and i don't want to rewrite it now so there was some frantic behind the scenes of like checking to make sure everything everyone was okay and then taking a huge gm leap and blowing up the party <laughs> um they ended up surviving thanks to kind of one of those like RPG miracles. Uh, and I walked away from the stream for a little bit because I was shaking so much. And I think it was epic. Like I was on the edge of my seat and I think that the entire cast was too, but it was so far out of my comfort zone. And it was such a risk that I felt needed to be take taken for the story but it was terrifying. And so I had to like walk away for a second and be like, okay, okay. I, I, I just did that. I just almost killed a character. This is, this is a GM landmark for me. And thankfully I was in a safe space where like, that was okay. I could jump way out of my comfort zone and uh, readjust my comfort zone to accommodate my new position, which was way outside the original line. And um, it was, hugely memorable and i think i think it was one of the moments in the game where the whole cast and the audience was kind of like oh let's stick around and see what happens yeah i i, I could see that um, i haven't had that moment yet <laughs> could have if the player hadn't decided to hug the thing instead. hug the beholder mm. yeah 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 <laughs> gosh it keeps coming back to that player hugging the beholder it's it gonna just, stick with you for a while it is it is yeah. it just we we <laughs> had a long build up to this encounter they were in an underground cave system 
like far as us playing we're every other week on it and honestly almost two whole months in there as as players you know not as characters but as characters they've been in there a very long time too like mm-hmm. i started worrying about the provisions and came up with this chicken that's never ending you take a bite out of it it's filling but <laughs> you look at it and the bite's not gone from it like rip off a leg oh look there's a leg again right. <laughs> never ending chicken <laughs> but um yeah no that that that, that that'll is. stick with you for a different reason yeah yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll stick because there was so much so much planning and so much suspense so. Mm-hmm. and i think uh there are still moments that i i haven't had as a gm but i won't know what they are until i've had them you know yeah and then i'll walk away from a game and go huh that happened that was an experience i can check that off the gm bucket list i didn't know i had yeah <laughs> i think we all have them like we know of a couple things like I don't plan on ever doing a TPK, but if it happens, that does tend to be a bucket thing. Um, when one of my players overthrows everything and somehow becomes a god, that's definitely going to be a moment. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. So, And I know that's something you DM long enough. It probably happens. You know, especially if your yeah. dice are really, if your dice let it go. Because I, I very much let the dice dictate a fair amount of stuff. Um, hence holding the beholder. <laughs> yes. And allowing we, that to truly work because RPGs are magical. Make yeah. believe is magical and anything can happen truly. Thank you, Dice. Yep. I'm waiting to see what happens with it. I, I named it Zaxis. We're going to see what Zaxis does now. Cause, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stay tuned. Yeah. It'll be... He might have to die. <laughs> uh, yeah. He might have to die. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe Zaxxas has another great career opportunity come up and needs to move across the country. Needs to start, like, maybe start chronicling stuff somewhere. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. As, as all great beholders do. <laughs> right. So needs to go start working on his great greatest work ever yes <laughs> uh, a guide uh, is and and you're gonna have to come up with a more creative gu- like name for it than zaxis's guide to something right like yeah yeah you know i i trust i trust they'll come up with it yeah um later love on that sounds good though <laughs> um what systems have you played, and which ones were your most and least favorite? Okay, so uh, I'm going to be pretty predictable here and say that Weave is one of my favorites. Um, and yes, I do have a job working with it now. But before I applied for the job, I just loved the game. Um, I mean, I applied for the job for a reason. So uh, it's it's accessible and it's intuitive and it's really unique. Not to mention the uh, the integration with apps and mixed reality that provides a lot of potential for storytelling on the go and for uh, storytelling with 
technology and a lot of really exciting implications. Uh, I also really love Powered by the Apocalypse games that I've played, uh, including Monster of the Week, which I've run a one-shot of, and oh my gosh, I'm just dying to run again. I cannot wait. It's I had such a great experience with it. And uh, I've played a couple of other Powered by the Apocalypse games, including Bluebeard's Bride and some others, and enjoyed the mechanics built in there. I think that I have, again, too many that I still need to play. One of the main that stands out to me is I bought Overlight at Gen Con last year, and I've wanted to play it, but I have not found the time. And so I'm looking forward to being able to play that. And of course, D&D was my first RPG, and as I'm sure it is for many people, and I'm grateful that my RPG library has grown since playing D&D and podcasting and streaming and getting involved in the community. Um, oh, Cypher System. I also play Cypher System on a, a regular basis weekly. And I love the flexibility that game gives you for settings and character creation. So, um, Yes, I've played a lot, but I need to play a lot more. And I'm sure then there will be more games out that I want to play. And that's that's exciting. I can't wait to play them all. That seems to be the whole thing, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not like D&D was even the first tabletop role-playing game ever. It's just the first one that had a lot of media around it, a lot of awareness of it because, because it was controversial. So. Yes, absolutely. I, I think, um, I'm grateful to D and D for being my gateway into the RPG world. And I can't wait to be at D and D live in May and share the characters that I'm creating there and performing with so many other amazing podcasters and streamers. Um, and I will always love my D&D podcast, but I'm also grateful for the other games that I've gotten to play because there are so many different worlds, so many different systems that can accommodate so many different players. And I love that. Any thought to running a podcast based around another system? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely thought about it. Um, right now, uh, running an actual play is a lot of work. And I have a couple of other podcasts and streams that I uh, want to see through first. Uh, Dynamo is a huge step just to run something in another system in a closed campaign. I mean, it ran for three months and it was a great game with great people. But it was a step out of my comfort zone. And I think that Weave has great podcast potential. Uh, I think there's actually, I might be doing a one shot by might. I think, I mean, I am, but I'm not sure it's public knowledge yet. Um, I'm doing a one shot for Weave for International Podcasting Month, and I'm excited to see how that game translates to a podcast form. And uh, there are a lot of other games that I think if Fate and the Fable Maidens finishes the current arc, we may look at running in another system. And just, it kind of depends on the story we want to tell and where we're at at the time. Sounds really, really cool. Thanks. <laughs> um, 
What kind of things do you do to prepare yourself both as a player and a character before a game? Uh, yeah, so um, I have playlists that I've recently started creating. Uh, Dynama, someone, one of the players actually created a playlist that I would listen to when planning every session as the storyteller. And so I kind of have picked a couple of songs that fit the characters I play and kind of try and get into their mentality before I play a game. Uh, and sometimes I'm a little bit rushed and I don't have the time to do that. So uh, when I don't have time, I think about the relationships that they value. And by thinking about those relationships, the key people in their lives or the connections that they find precious and dear, I'm able to connect with them quickly and uh, get into the game. It's pretty cool. Um, I recently started doing the playlist thing too, and it's when you start getting into the headspace of a character and like, oh, hey, this is the kind of thing that fits maybe this life event for this for them, or maybe when they're feeling this emotion, this song connects for them. It, yeah. It's it's a really interesting way and maybe another depth to really getting inside a character and being like, all right, this is the mode of operation, so to speak. You can find songs that are all encompassing, but you can also find songs that are specific to different emotions, connections in their lives or situations. Yeah. Yes. And like, even as a personality thing, like, hey, maybe this character kind of leans towards one genre more and that can speak a lot too. It's just, there's a flexibility there and... I think it's something that with social media, we might start seeing happen more because a lot of times people will share. I'm like, hey, you like this character? Check out their list. This is, this is the music they listen to. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of cool. You can get other people in on it too. Yeah. Also, thanks, Michael Wayne. I'm so glad that you ran Monster of the Week and that I was a part of introducing you to it. That's, that's awesome. I, I hope you really enjoy it. I saw a lot of stuff about that recently. What is Monster of the Week? Monster of the Week is a Powered by the Apocalypse game that is inspired by Monster of the Week structured television shows such as Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Supernatural. So uh, essentially the uh, Keeper is the name of the GM. Um, the Keeper structures a monster and creates a mystery that players have to solve. And while, of course, you can have overarching stories with those monsters of the week, uh, the, the players still have to investigate and discover how to take down a specific monster in sort of episodic uh, efforts until they reach the, uh, the conclusion of the story. Ah, oh, that sounds cool. It's um... so fun. And it allows a lot of, like, creativity because the way you build a monster is like very uh it's not like written mechanically it's freeing and gives you a lot of permissions so 
for my first game that I ran, uh, there was an electrical monster that fed off of sleeplessness Oof. through their through people's phones. So like it drained their energy as they uh, played games or as they watched Netflix or whatever. And it was so fun to kind of create like what its weaknesses were and how the players could take it down, how the players could even figure out what it was in the first place and then take it down from there. So a, a discreet cautionary tale on spending too much time on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> it we may or may not so have much. been inspired by a, an article about how people are playing too much Fortnite, and I just <laughs> saw it in passing and was like, huh, cool RPG story. Cool RPG story. <laughs> too much Fortnite. Jeez. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know about that. Not really the community I'm in a whole lot. Um, I, yeah, I've never played, I, but I, I hey, think, I hear about it. Yeah, I, I just fall on... That's what I was going to say. I suspect the reason people are saying people are playing too much of it is because it is a game that is not. Because I remember there was also too much Mass Effect, too much Halo, too much Doom. <laughs> yep. So. And I mean, I'll, I'll self-reflect. I'm on Twitter too much. Yes, I am a social media specialist, so it's kind of understandable. But at the same time, like, Sometimes my eyes wish I wasn't staring at my phone so often. Yeah. So. It's almost like the monster might be real to a degree. <laughs> might be. Like the insomnia out there. I've created a monster. Now you just discovered it. Now we gotta figure out how to defeat it. <laughs> we'll, we'll start investigating. Let's make some yep. rolls and then we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Within the tabletop community, what has your experience been? What do you think has been good and what do you think could improve? And on that end, what would you do personally to improve it? Okay, uh, so the tabletop community, what's been good is people lifting each other up. I see that all the time. If someone is struggling, people encouraging others to support them, check them out, reach out. I love that. Uh, I see people encouraging others to check out projects that aren't their own. It's one of the high tide, like, raises all ships. I think that's so true. Um, and I love that. But I do think that the community has room to improve when it comes to uh, understanding situations that you haven't personally experienced. Um, I know for me, it's definitely hard for me to wrap my head around something that I haven't experienced, but someone else is trying to convey to me. But on the flip side of that, it's hard for someone else to understand uh, who hasn't experienced it when I describe what it was like to feel sexually harassed at a gaming table. Um, and to be sexually harassed at a gaming table. And I, I think that there's a lot to be said for the community stopping to listen. I think we're making strides. Absolutely. Um, I think we are making progress every day. 
the more people talk about it and are willing to speak up um, and speak on behalf of people who uh, need that kind of support. Um, and it's a progress thing. It's um, it's something that we're going to see continued develop over time. And it's something that we have to be actively mindful of um, in thinking how, in pausing and actively thinking about the way we think. I want to see that continue to change, and I believe it will. But it's also something that I still see and can relate to uh, people feeling dismissed or uh, stories not being heard because it doesn't reflect uh, someone else's personal experiences. So I think what I want to see from the community is open minds and people listening to one another instead of just vying to speak for themselves. That could definitely be a powerful thing because I know a lot of people will generally speak from their own experience and generally it, it, it can be hard to step outside of yourself and say, well, this is my experience. That doesn't mean these other things aren't valid, haven't happened, don't exist, are imagined or whatever, you know, and that's definitely a thing. It's, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I think we see that, if not daily, we see it once a week. So. Yes. The battle is raging. <laughs> yeah, and we're fighting valiantly. It's Change is going to happen. It's just a matter of how many warriors we have fighting, and we'll see that change coming soon. I believe it. I feel that's where the public platform has been potentially really helpful because it's been able to to show people something that maybe they wouldn't have seen just because of the scope of an area you yeah. know so yay <laughs> um, what is your favorite style of play uh theater of the mind grids rule of cool that kind of thing oh uh, different for different games um, Fate and the Fable Maidens, we kind of play by the rule of goof, which I guess is similar to the rule of cool, except if it's really funny, you can totally pull it off. Um, but that's because we are a kid-friendly comedy, and so there are some pretty goofy things that happen, and that is totally okay. Um, but for other games, I definitely, uh, tend a little bit more towards rule of cool, um, and what that looks like to me is... I like when players have ideas that I would not have considered, especially when they're justifiable through story means. Uh, and I love being able to pass the mic to a player and let them kind of take the reins in storytelling that. Uh, player agency is very important to me. And I truly believe that if it's joint storytelling, we need to be telling a story together instead of one person having a be all end all say. And so I love seeing what creative ideas players bring to the table. Okay. 
it's pretty awesome. Um, we think that about covers our questions that we had uh, pretty much figured out early in. Um, so we are open for a live Q&A at this point. If you have any questions for Renee, feel free to post them in chat. Uh, we did have one earlier from Michael Wayne. What are different ways to play Wave if you don't have a phone the app works on? Okay. So uh, there is actually a number of ways to play Weave. Currently, there is a uh, iOS app for Apple products. There is a Android app for um, Android products. There is also a desktop app, which uh, you do need a webcam to make work because the cards do scan in. And um, you can hop into the Weave Discord in order to find more information on that. I expect that the app will be more readily available as more updates come down the line. And we are working a lot at Monocle Society to make sure that the game is working the best it can and is available and accessible to as many people as possible. So uh, I, I hope that if you don't have a phone that can access the game, I understand that and hope you do have something that could because it's been a great game for me. Accessibility is a really, really big thing. And it's nice to see the growth in awareness around that within the community. Because stuff like Dots RPG with their Braille dice and the work yes. they're doing on making Braille versions of the core books available. Oh my God, that's an undertaking. It is. It is it's so valuable. And I... Uh, it's definitely, I think, hard. Weave is a, a hybrid game. It's a technology hybrid game. And that's great. But we also have to be creative in finding ways for people who um, have different technology to access a hybrid style game. It is, it is a really different thing, too. Like, when you said that it was a mixed reality thing, like it hadn't ever occurred that TTRPG could be a mixed reality th thing. And it's like, when you said it's like, oh, wow. And then it was like, but why hadn't it occurred previously that that could be a thing? Because, duh, <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. a, it was a dumb moment for me. Like, well, of course it can. <laughs> well, of course it can. But also, I mean, there was a time when we couldn't imagine what smartphones look like. So uh, it's... Oh, yeah. With emerging technologies, it's sometimes hard to realize the full extent of the ramifications until you're living it. And I know that that's something I experienced with... Now that I work here, I'm really seeing what the potential for this is. But before then, I just couldn't quite wrap my mind around it. Yeah. It's, I mean, we think when you think back within the sci-fi genre and stuff, and yes, I pull heavily on Star Trek because that was my thing growing up. Um, I think the thing we've got that they had closest, because boy, those communicators, we're still not doing this <laughs> to talk. but. Um, the hologram rooms, we're close to those, to the hollow rooms. And that's 
man, man, can that happen? Because it's a hollow room for D and D would be. <laughs> I I do want to shout out since uh, there is kind of uh, the question in chat. You can find out more about Weave at Weave Game, which is uh, a hyperlink to the Monocle site as well. Let's see if I can get this right. Yeah, sure. There we go. That yeah. Great. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for the win. <laughs> yeah. I love it because it's like a great social media. It looks great on social media. So like good on them for getting weave.game. Okay. Uh, Miniax Manager says... Um, hey, I thought of a really good mixed reality game, but I know nothing, so you can hear this idea for free. The game is like the world of the movie They Live, where some people are regular, but some are aliens or something. You get pictures of the aliens to get points, and the better the shot, the better the score. Maybe it's stupid, but anyway, it's out there now. Hey, uh, there's going to be so much mixed reality uh, games uh, available. Um, I mean there's it's it's so much different than virtual reality and even augmented reality and the fact that the virtual world could respond thoroughly to the real world around it is still pretty mind-boggling to me there will be some really awesome games that'll be available and i'm excited that tabletop has already kind of reserved a space uh with the work that weave is is putting in and monocle society is putting in for the weave game um which means it'll be really awesome ways to access tabletop gaming and mixed reality as well uh, but mixed reality has a lot of potential in beyond gaming as well uh for education uh medical fields etc so yeah i mean absolutely that that'd be really cool um, Nordic Greeks asks, what is your most memorable instance as a player? Oh, um, as a player. Um, so there was a moment, it was one of the early epic combat moments where uh, my character was being carried away by a dragon. And the the dragon ended up dropping her a bard cast featherfall on her so she was falling to the ground and the dragon landed below to uh try and continue the fight and so my rogue had the bard cancel featherfall she dove out of the sky to strike the dragon with her sword <laughs> and epically slayed the dragon and just took the damage and walked away, limped away with a bunch of dragon scales and an epic story. And I remember it feeling so cinematic and uh, fantastical. And that was one of the first moments where I was like, huh, yeah, let's do this more. I like this thing. That sounds really, really cool. Um, the closest moment I've had that was similar, and it did involve a dragon. First of all, Dungeons and Dragons. Who named it Dungeons and Dragons? Because dragons in the game, I, 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 in five year, years, I've encountered one. Okay. <laughs> um, 
And when it happened, one of the players decided what they were going to do. So they were going to try and ride the dragon. This little kinder. And, um, did not go over well. Did not go well. <laughs> oh. I've fought a lot more dragons in my Rise of Tiamat campaign than I had in wow. my career at playing D&D before that. Go figure. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> um, it's one of the things I'm excited about because I know with mine, I plan on lots of dragons because Retroverse, that's like... <gasps> yes. So yeah. cool. Well, yes. And, well, the Xenon dragon is my favorite. Sorry. Well, including Lewis and Chris both in, it's like... U.S.'s illustration of himself for the Retroverse is a shirtless dude with a biker helmet and a fox full of wormlings. Like, Princess Foch was in that fox, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> she's gonna be in the game because she's in the fox. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> the more places we see her, the better. Right? Ah, oh, she's so awesome. <laughs> so, um, was there another? What do you think is the benefits or disadvantages with cards over dice? Okay, uh, this is a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I might need to ask some clarification. Um, on I, I haven't played many RPGs or really that use cards over dice, um, but the the interesting thing about Weave is that it the cards are like the storytelling part of it. Essentially, the character sheet and the um, helping build the structure for the storyteller as well as the character for the players. Um, but then Weave is actually still told with dice. It's just um, they're regular D6s, uh, though the Weave dice have symbols on them. Uh, we learned in Dynama that you can easily play them with regular D6s and just assign numbers to what the symbols would be. Um, and so the cards are scanned in to like create a character. For instance, if you scanned the coin card in, you would have options for backgrounds, talents, and flaws for your character. And you have the opportunity to choose one from each category, essentially. I'm abbreviating a bit for time, but uh, you you uh, take one from each category and uh, create your character from there. Okay, so were there any other questions? I did get clarification from Michael Wayne, so uh, for disadvantages and advantages on using cards versus dice for storytelling or for RPGs, while I don't have very much experience with it, I think you can just as easily tell fascinating story with cards, especially if there's good design and good mechanics. Uh, there's no reason that dice have to be the uh, moving most moving factor for RPGs. I think there's a reason they are because there are so many mechanics that can be built off of multifaceted dice. I mean, we see D20 systems, D6 systems, because you can come up with so many options. And cards are two-sided, but of course, um, for those who have some familiarity with tarot, you could also play with um, uh, the 
cards being inverted. So there there could be some really interesting storytelling aspects to a card based RPG. I just I haven't seen them and I would love to. And Weave is definitely part of the storytelling um comes from the cards, but a lot of the the decisions are still made by dice. So I don't know that it's it's entirely that, but uh it's a step in that direction using both cards and dice and uh, a mobile app. So it's really it's it, it's a different thing. Um I think part of the reason why dice are so pre- prevalent, I mean, we've seen the designs out there. <laughs> you know, it's, to a degree, I think it's people really enjoy just having the dice to begin with. And it's an excuse to go out and be like, but I need more dice for this thing. You yeah. Know, I need I need these dice for this system and these dice for this system. Or and I, I love my dice collection. They're beautiful. Yeah. 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 Oh. I, I gotta say, uh, I've found a lot of a lot of favorites on Dice and It's why I'm affiliated with them because I was like, I like their stuff. I'm gonna reach out to them on this because, God, pretty sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> so, sparkles get me every time. So, um, Same. I like sparkles and swords. Oh, could you imagine a set that had like? Little, little teeny tiny sword in the middle of the D20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if, if I had the patience to make molds around an existing set and then, like, make a little sword, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, okay. So, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? You know, I think I have talked about a lot of aspects of my life, and I'm really grateful to everyone who's here. Uh, I hope you enjoy anything that you've found through this, whether it's an RPG I talked about, a podcaster stream I create, and uh, any of the games that we've talked about on this channel as well. Uh, I think there's a lot of great things to take away and I hope that you have been able to take something away and thank you for coming by. Thanks for listening. Um, If you guys would like to check out the two channels that we did kind of touch on quite a bit far as playing here on Twitch, uh, you can find Nerd Immersion and Scraticus. Those links are in chat for you. So probably should have done that earlier. Learning. That's okay. We did it now. <laughs> oh, I need another list. These things. <laughs> um, thanks for being on my show. It's been great having you here and talking. Thank you. And it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for uh, giving me something to do my first Friday in Seattle and uh, getting to talk about RPGs, which I definitely love. And, uh, it's been an exciting journey so far, and there's more to the adventure still ahead. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Let's see what happens. Sparkles and swords. Yes! <laughs> um, if you would like to keep up with Renee and her projects, you can do so by checking out radian.com, bfmcast.com, and monoclesociety.com, as well as her Twitter at radianr. Um, yeah. It's been fun. 
Um, this has been RPG Unlimited. You can find us here on Twitch every other Friday and then on other platforms the following week. So you can expect to see it on YouTube and on Anchor by Wednesday at the very latest if everything goes sideways. So yeah, thanks for coming by, guys. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you. Bye.